Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Everybody and welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pounder. And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. And we're joined by a special guest tonight, someone that I've promised to have on the show for weeks and months and I keep bumping her. But welcome this Thanksgiving weekend, our good friend Harjit Jahal. Hey guys, it's great to be here with you on Thanksgiving. Hope you guys are all fed and had a nice Sunday. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm happy to talk Whitecaps and all things uh, football. Yeah, well, we're, we're having Thanksgiving dinner on Monday. What, what about you guys? What are you doing? Yeah, we actually had Thanksgiving dinner last night. Yeah, we're, we're doing Monday. And yeah, at our house, uh, at our house this year, we're calling it Carbs Giving because we're going to be eating some carbs this weekend. So a broad spectrum then of when everyone's eating. So on this show tonight, it's packed. We're going to be talking about the Whitecaps week in action. We're going to be looking at the, the season running, what might lie in store. We're going to bring you some audio from Whitecaps CEO and Sporting Director Axel Schuster. And we're going to unpack some of the stuff that he said. But we're going to start off with what has been a strange week on the pitch for the Whitecaps. They won one. They lost one. We'll just touch briefly on the, the game against San Jose on, on Wednesday night because we've got to talk about it. It was a 3-0 defeat. Goalless at halftime, just like the Seattle game. I thought history can't repeat itself. It didn't. It was even worse. This time around, they, they let in three goals. They didn't score. They got two players sent off. Yes, Eric Godoy's was rescinded later on. There was a lot of horny folk in the car park. Let's start with our guest. What did you make of that San Jose game just in general, Har? I thought the first half, you know, it was it was fairly even. We had, may have had a chance or two, and San Jose had a couple of chances. But then, you know, the, the second half, the wheels just fell off. It was kind of similar to what we saw uh, against Seattle. It seems like as soon as one goal goes in, I don't know if the confidence kind of drops or the guys just think maybe, oh no, here we go again. But yeah, yeah it wasn't. It wasn't a good second half, and you could just see uh, the guys just kind of drained. And then those two, those two red cards, uh, they really hurt the team as well. Michael, was it last last time we were talking about the um, uh, the, the Whitecaps when they allow the first goal are not not very good at all? Yes, Every, everything's now blurring into one with all these games. But of course, things were were different this weekend. But yeah. They're very consistent, though, when they're pretty much very consistent when they allow the first goal in. 
True. I mean, that's that's all MDS has wanted. Uh, some consistency this year. So he's got it in a bad way. I mean, let, let's look at those red cards. I mean, Andy Rose is a bit unfortunate because there was a shove that should have probably been a called a foul to start with, and then he commits the foul, gets the second yellow and goes off. It was a bookable offence, and yeah, you could say should have been a foul against him. Yeah, you're down one man at that point, and you think, oh, it's going to be tough now. And then Eric Godoy, I don't know how many times I watched it on Wednesday, and I was like, I don't see how that is a red card. And then, of course... The independent review said, no, it was not a red card. Unanimously said it was not a red card. There was no video review during the game, but Godoy still got fined for not leaving the pitch in a timely manner. And apparently someone pointed out that on the broadcast, Godoy's going to leave and MDS is like, no, no, you stay until the review. And then Godoy gets fined for that. I mean, by the letter of the law, yes, if you haven't left the pitch, you should get a fine. But just the the whole thing, it just shows VAR at its worst, really. Yeah, I, I mean, let's talk about the Air, Andy Rose one first. Uh, I, I was not super excited when I saw that he was starting at center back again. Uh, I didn't think that was uh, a step in the right direction. I know how MDS feels he should have been a center back since he was much younger. Um, but to his credit, he was he had one of the, if not the best Whitecaps moment in the first half. With a header on on goal, mm. uh, that, that was that was well saved. Um, oh yeah, he, he was dangerous in both boxes, which is not really what you want from your centre back, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was this, it was a, it felt like a, I, I didn't honestly I didn't think the the first the, the contact on him was a foul, and it felt a little bit like yeah he was just frustrated and and kind of you know stuck his foot out there on the on the second booking, uh, the Godoy one, um, you said it wasn't reviewed, but it wasn't reviewed by the referee in the stadium, but everything has to be reviewed by the VAR people. So the VAR people felt it wasn't clear and obvious, which again, I think allows people to at least in part question VAR and how it's working and how it's being used because disco has, has now overturned it. So well, I don't. It, it turns out it's not Disco because I tweeted Disco. It's the Independent Review Panel, whatever the whatever the new version of Disco is. Um, but here's the thing: the the bottom line is, and I, I don't think anyone disagree with this. Even without even with Eric, sorry, even without Eric Godoy being sent off, with him on the pitch, does anyone see the Whitecaps coming back in that match? No, no. Even with eleven players, I didn't see the Whitecaps coming back in that match. If you'd kept Rose on the pitch as well, it's like. No. I'd be more concerned if San Jose went down a man. <laughs> yeah. We won't bother looking at the goals. What's past is past. It was depressing. Also, I genuinely can't remember what they were. So let's move ahead. I mean, after that game, it was hard to muster much enthusiasm for, for the RSL game, I, I felt, on, on Saturday. I wasn't looking forward to it. I mean... The first half, even more so, it's like, I was like, oh, here we go again. But I mean, they only went and not only got three points, they came from behind to get that job done. So we, we can put to bed all this. Yeah, the Whitecaps can't win when they fall a goal behind. Yeah, that's the only time they've done it all year and only the second time in the last two years. But it, it's it's a streak. It's the start of a streak. All streaks have to, to start somewhere. 
I think, though, by the end of this game, the, the Whitecap supporters would be going home singing, can we play you every week? Because, Har, you tweeted out, two wins for the Whitecaps against RSL, two wins against Canadian opposition, and just two wins against the rest of MLS. Yeah. It'd be nice to play RSL every week, but sadly we're not allowed to. Uh, I had to uh, check the calendar because uh, I, watch, you know, watching that uh, that game, it felt like it was in December. The way that the RSL were dressed in red and they were giving gifts out left, right, and center uh, to to the Whitecaps. Um, it was another game against Salt Lake where they gave Vancouver three points. Yeah, it, uh, undoubtedly. I mean, hard, hard. What did 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 you make of it? I know we were chatting a little bit during the game on DM and stuff, but. At halftime, what was going through your mind at 1-0 down? At halftime, when they were down 1-0, I kind of thought, oh, here they go again. They're going to give up uh, a slew of more goals. And I really think uh, I really think that Douglas Martinez's own goal, I really think that gave the Whitecaps an opportunity of, hey, maybe we can go and get a win here. Maybe there's a chance to get uh, more than a draw, uh, which they haven't had yet a draw this season. I really think that play was, you know, the, the turning point for the Whitecaps to seize the momentum and kind of come away with three points, which I don't think any of us really thought they would be getting at halftime. No, I know it was nice to get a break that didn't involve a part of a goalkeeper's body as well, because that seems to be the only breaks the Whitecaps have had all year. I mean, at halftime, I was like, oh, and I... I was kind of watching the second half. I had the sound down because East Fife's highlights had gone up. So I was watching that on, on YouTube. And I looked up and I was like, oh, they've equalised. It's one all. I'll get back to that in a bit. Then I continued watching the East Fife game. It finished. I looked up and I was like, holy shit, we're 2-1 up. What the hell's happened here? The second half was good in a way in that it started without them conceding a goal five minutes after the restart. So, I mean, that, that was the first positive of the second half. And they didn't get anyone sent off. That was a, another positive. Although, I do feel Lucas Cavallini and Gianni Bikel were doing their best to get sent off because there were some wild tackles flying in. Bikel, again, picking up a stupid yellow card for a, a hand to an opponent's face, which in this day and age, you're just playing with fire doing something like that. Yeah, Cavallini, you know, is accumulating cards like uh, at an alarming rate. Uh, you know, he just sat out a match, right? Yeah. Like accumulation, and he got booked again. And you know, I think it's off. three, and then you're off again. So he's yeah. got one of those three. Yeah, it's yeah, it's different rules. Most countries, it's like five every five. Which, yeah, I have never liked MLS's rules on on how they change it up. But yeah, uh, I mean. Yeah, you know he's going to miss at least one more game this season. Well, let's get to the goals. Two goals in a four-minute spell. Michael Baldissimo had come on as sub, and he kind of was the game-changer in this one. And we'll talk about Baldi in the, the next part more fully. But, I mean, that first goal, beautiful free kick floated in from Baldi. Everyone's just jumping for it. It's a, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that happens to Whitecaps defending. Martinez going up, and it just ends up in the back of your own net. But as Har said... That gave them the the thought, we can get this. I mean, you saw the urgency to grab the ball out of the goal and to try and get it back to the halfway line. Um, it was interesting because the RSL body language at that point was what the Whitecats body language has usually been. Their, their shoulders kind of went down a bit, Steve, and you're kind of thinking, 
you know what? It's like, I think they, they could get back into this. Yeah, because I think they're, while well, the Whitecaps are known for not scoring first, the, I think RSL, in a lot of their games, they've scored early and they give up the game. Uh, and I think that they probably saw that coming in that case. And so, considering the, it happened to them a few weeks ago against the same team, that is probably they saw deja vu as well. Yeah, like I talked about before, I think all the, the Whitecaps players felt like, yeah, they've thrown them a, a lifeline. They've thrown them a... Uh, they throw them a dinghy as they were drowning in in in, uh, in the ocean of, of defeat. Um, you know the whole. I think the players get. Hey, it's not just the media talking about the. I think the players understand when we give up a goal, we don't come back from that, right? So I think I think they there was a sense of of at least relief or yeah, like we're gonna get something from this game, uh, and they they got probably arguably more than they deserved from it. And I know we haven't covered RSL's goal, but there's a reason for that. We're going to be covering that towards the end of this part. So let's get back to the Whitecaps' second goal now. And Kava, who at least I was worried. He was on a booking. He scored. I thought, is he going to take his top off or do something that's going to get him a second yellow? He didn't. But, I mean, it was a nice finish. Good anticipation. It's what you want your DP striker to do, Har. I mean, good stuff by Freddie to get the shot off to begin with. It was a good save by putting a, in the RSL goal, but the rebound fell nicely for Kava. If he'd put that wide of the target, it's like after the misses he's had in the last couple of games, you'd be like, oh boy. It would just You could feel what was going to be coming on him, but it didn't happen. He put it in the back of the net, 2-1 caps, and he took it well hard. Yeah, I think it was another chapter in the, uh, the Freddy and Kava offensive bromance there. Uh, they've been creating uh, chances lately, and especially against RSL. And, you know, the the one-two, I know they like playing with each other. They both talked about how they enjoy being on the pitch at the same time. Even though it's kind of early in their, their chapter with the Whitecaps, I think given more time and more minutes, I think they can form a really good, positive striker partnership up top. We just need to see more of a sample size. And uh, with the six games left, you hope, you hope they're a must-start the next few games if they're healthy if they avoid suspensions because they're really the Whitecaps offense right now those two guys I mean that is the thing it's like consistency in playing these guys up front because it helps when Kava's not suspended or when Freddie's not been sat on the bench if we can get a run of the two of them together I mean they've definitely got chemistry and I think we're going to see a lot more of it if we can play them together but I mean the Caps held on pretty comfortably for the, the 2-1 win in the end so I want to finish this part looking at our, our usual good, bad and ugly. Now the good for me, and we've touched on it there, was to fight in spirit, not letting their heads go down. And what that's now going to do for their confidence of, you know what, we can come back. It's the little train that could. And I know I'm being a bit facetious, but in all seriousness, something with what they've been going through, they needed this. For, for a, a run-in that we'll talk about in the next part, it's hard to see where the points are coming from for, for the season run-in. But this is 2020 in MLS, and it's, I don't think you can really bank on anything for, for this. But, I mean, any other good things from, from you, apart from that fighting spirit? Obviously, Baldi's performance as well, but anything else? Uh, Evan Bush was key. He had to make a few uh, timely saves when RSL was really pushing, pushing for an equalizer. I thought he had to deal with almost getting injured a couple of times. And so 
I think he really stood tall in the net there. And you're going to need him to be, you know, kind of locked in and zoned in in front of a new team, a new back line. He really hasn't played a lot of MLS in the last year, uh, just two games now. So I think he had he had a good performance, and I think this whole team can use it as a confidence uh, builder going into these next games against LA teams. I mean, for for me, having Bush back there, I actually I know he hasn't been playing, but I felt a lot more confident just because he's a veteran. Yeah, and well, he's had more he's had more games in the last little bit than you know, Meredith has had in the last seven eight years. So, so yeah. yeah, definitely more confident, and he's got good positioning. Yeah, very good position. I, I'm happy to to have him, and I know I, I don't think we actually touched on this uh, in last week's show. Axel said on the radio that. The three keepers that we've got just now, not including Meredith, so Hassal, Cripo, and Bush, but in particular Cripo and Bush, they're both not going to be here next year. So one of them's going to move on. And you're thinking it's going to be Bush. But maybe Cripo is lined up for a, a sale somewhere or I but don't know. That is a that is a very intriguing uh, situation that could come up because you're right, like um, he, Kripo, I'm sure, has turned heads over the last year and a bit um, over like what he's done against this porous defense and, and make the stops he makes. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's like a, a team in England or Germany or the lower league Germany or uh, Netherlands or something like that that's looking for a goalkeeper. And I think he would be ideal there. So maybe they made this deal for Bush looking into next year, not just this year. Yeah, I mean, if they're going to move Maxime Kripo, it, it, uh, you know, Reminds me of our conversation with, with Stephen last week, and uh, it better not be somewhere in North America. No. Uh, he's going to go. No, they would not do that. Even, even the Whitecaps would not do that. But if, if you're going to do, do something like that, then you, that's where you deal Bush. But if Bush goes, he's going somewhere in North America. If Kripo goes to somewhere in Europe. I mean, it makes a lot of sense that Bush would be a guy that would be taken in the expansion draft. So it might not be that they intentionally move him on, but they might know that someone's already going to take him. But Harry, I mean, you and me were on Evan's uh, introductory call, and I asked him, is this, have you had discussions that this is a short-term move? And he said, no, we haven't had those discussions at all. And then one or two days later, Axel was like, yeah, they're both not going to be here next year. And it's like, hmm, interesting. I, 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 I like Evan Bush, I always have, but maybe he's going to retire, who knows? I'm not so sure. I, I will wait and see what happens with Evan Bush and Max Kripo. I think you get more for Max. He's, he's younger. He's earning less. He's definitely had a more run of games than Evan Bush has. I don't know. You just have to see what you can get for either keeper if you're going to move one of them on before next season. I don't know how much it would be. Would it be GAM, TAM, SPAM, any of that? So we'll have to see what they do. I'm not so sure that Moving a goalie out is the biggest concern or the biggest need for the Caps right now. No. Although they have a lot of goalies. They do. I'm surprised you didn't say yam because considering it's uh, Thanksgiving. (laughs) But I mean, talking of the keepers, that brings me on to the bad part of the good, the bad and the ugly. And for me, it's the amount of damage that our keepers are continuing to take because that was two pretty shocking challenges on Bush. The second one in particular, which was a forearm smash and Har and me were talking about this on the, the phone this afternoon. It's like that guy did not have to have his arm up there. And it's like th- there's no excuse for that. And Bush was lucky that he ended up not with a, a broken jaw or something. It's ridiculous. I don't know if 
teams are like, hey, let's just target these keepers now because it gives us a bit of an advantage because they're at the bare bones or what. But that was two pretty rough challenges on him. I don't know how much of an advantage you need for the one who played in Whitecaps. <laughs> how much more of an advantage do you need to risk having somebody sent off or something like that? Um, just play your game. Uh, no, yeah, I agree with you. It's like it's 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 been really rough. I don't know. Um, I think uh, NHL goalkeepers get targeted less than the Whitecaps goalkeepers, and that happens often in the hockey. Last of all, the ugly. And for me, there's only one big, big ugly thing out of this game, and that was the Whitecaps marking on RSL's goal. Yes, I said we'd be coming to that later. Before we talk about it, let me just play a little bit of audio from Evan Bush and, first of all, Mark DeSantis, just talking about the shocking defending and how it's not acceptable at this level. Looking at sort of the downside from the game tonight, the, the defending on the RSL goal, it feels like so many of the goals that you've given up this year is just from not picking players up in the box. And on that goal, Krylach was just unmarked six yards out, which at this level does feel kind of unforgivable. But I mean, how you can prepare all the players all you want, but how do you get that mental focus from them to track these guys and to pick them up? Yeah, look, you have to you have to address it because it's a uh, it's something that it, that happened a little bit too many times. Uh, what I think is when the ball gets wide, it starts there. The pressure on those wide positions need to be much more active, and sometimes it's way too passive, you know. Um, and we'll address it. We'll address it again. Uh, and then we spoke so much about Merrim arriving late. He cheats in the second post. He arrives late. And then when that second ball comes in, 100% agree with you. We need to be tighter. I didn't watch the goal again. Uh, on I just watched it in the big screen. Uh, but it's a concern that we have to address 100%. I agree with you. You've been in this league a, a long time. You've had a, a lot of defenders play in front of you. I, I asked Mark about this as well, and I know you can't comment too much on what's gone before, but so many of the goals that the team has given up this year, it's just from not picking players up in the box, and it happened again tonight. For all the preparation that a coach can do to put the players out there, how can you, maybe as a goalkeeper, make sure that these guys are switched on to pick up the runs, pick up these players? Because it's been happening way too often. Yeah, um, I can only speak to to what I've seen since I've been here, and uh, I can speak to tonight. And you know, outside of that that one instance where they obviously scored the goal, I thought the I thought the defenders did very well tonight. I thought uh, thought Eric was great. I thought Ronco was very good to to step in, a, a young guy to to step in that position. I thought he did very well. Um, you know, by and large, and then, you know, having Derek come in to, to fill out the, the third center back and then our, our outside backs did very well too. So overall, I think it was, it was quite a good effort um, in terms of the defensive uh, structure of our team tonight. Uh, and, and, you know, sometimes you, you lose guys in the box and you, you try obviously not to, to make that happen, but um, you know, we'll, we'll look at it. We'll, we'll see what we can do. It's, it's not always, it's not always the, uh, you know, the defenders, you know, tracking guys in the box either. It's also, you know, pressure on the ball from from outside and stuff like that. So there's a number of things you can look at. Um, but at the end of the day, it's much better to, to look at those things after you get three points. 
So MDS and Evan Bush there just chatting about defensiveness. And it's like, I, I'm going to sit and watch all the goals that we've given up to see how many goals we have given up where we have not picked a man up that's then scored the goal. Because it's felt like nearly every single one that is just... I, I don't know what. It was absolutely shocking defending. It was on Ranko. He just kind of stood there. And you saw how pissed off Jake was afterwards. It looked like we've talked about this before with, with Jake, uh, as he's had to work with multiple different center backs on his side and then picking up, not picking up people. Because when you watch it back, it looks like, again, what happens is either the, the communications breaking down or Jake is kind trying to compensate for what he sees as poor marking from Ranko. And he shifts into the middle, leaving the wide player or the wider of the two of the two players in the box wide open to receive the cross and put it. And then as Jake goes to reek back, try and take his spot again, the, the, the RSL player puts it into Krylach, who's obviously now wide open for a tap in. Yeah. But Zach, I wouldn't even put it on Ranko. I would put it on the left side of that uh, back line because they were spread out too. They were, and no midfielders were coming back to uh, backtrack. So he had to, Renko had to be on that side of the defender because there was nobody else in, in, in between. I, I won't I won't disagree with you on that because I, yeah. I can't recall everything about Steve. But to me, one of the one of the issues, which we've seen, I think, on this, if it's what you said, Steve, is what I said or something else. Yeah, I know. What we've seen in the past is they it's don't the do well enough. No, no, you don't. Every time this has happened, Adnan's gone to you know mark somebody, then that center back moves up. And then that, where instead of moving up, it should be a, a holding midfielder coming back to fill in that back line hole. It shouldn't be another, the next defender moving up one spot because then you are going to be exposed at the far post. But Har, I mean, we've seen this so many times now this season, especially in the recent games. And like Crylatch of all people, if you're going to write down who's the most dangerous player on RSL that you don't want to leave unmarked in the six-yard box... I think Krylatch would probably be the guy you'd, you'd have put in there. But, I mean, this is what I said to Mark. It's like, Mark can prepare his defence as much as possible, but he can't mentally switch them on during a game. That's that's the big problem. Yeah, I believe uh, Mark said in the halftime interview on, on TV that they had talked about that at least 500 times. You know, poor Jake Nowinski on his 100th appearance with a white cap having to defend two guys it was literally a, a two-on-one down low I don't know where Ranko was or who he thought he was covering but Krylak had enough time to carve out a pumpkin and put on a Halloween costume and Evan Bush had no chance and you could see the frustration with Jake he kind of put, put his hands hands up a little bit in frustration and I thought it was interesting that Krylak ran to the sidelines and who did he go right towards Zach McMath so I'm wondering if he maybe gave some intel or we had the 4 one oh. there, so I thought that was interesting. But, yeah, it was a, another unmarked goal they gave up. And I think you, Michael, retweeted a stat or maybe a list of unmarked goals they had given up recently. Yeah, one of our listeners, Oz Sweeney, had worked out the last five games and it was horrendous. I want to go and look at the whole season. I don't know why I want to put myself through that. But I've got, I'll have some spare time at work this week. I'm pretty sure I can work my way through that. But, I mean, it, it was just absolutely shocking. And 
it's happened. But that's that that's but that's been their their, their mode all year long. Even yep. when they were in the bubble, there was unmarked players all over the place. Yeah. And if you, I guarantee you, what if you look, go back and look at it, you'll see the RSL the goal they just gave up to RSL will be a very similar thing that uh, repeats itself during all those games, where one of the fullbacks goes up and everybody just moves up along with them. The funny thing was as well, I was talking about how during the second half I was watching the East Five highlights. We lost 2-1, the winning goal coming in the 87th minute. Very similar, it was an unmarked guy in the six-yard box that the ball then came to. And I was like having deja vu flashbacks. I mean, that was terrible. But that's it for our, our chat about the actual RSL game itself. We're going to kind of delve into some of the player parts of it and also what might lie in store in the season running. And we'll be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Mark Dos Santos and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's this month's Artist of the Month here at AFTN, English punk band Splodginess Abounds, with a song from their self-titled 1981 debut album that was Blown Away Like a Fart in a Thunderstorm. And of course, the Whitecaps were blown away like farts in a thunderstorm the last time they played LAFC. Three weeks later, they're facing them again down at Providence Park in Portland. We'll be chatting about that in this part of the show, taking a look at some of the individual performances from Whitecaps players as well. And looking at the road ahead for the Whitecaps for the season running, what that might look like in terms of formation, personnel, and all those kind of things as well. But before we get into all that, as we mentioned at the start of the show, it's Thanksgiving weekend here in Canada. And I put a tweet out on Sunday morning, just asking for some of our listeners' thoughts on what they are thankful for as Whitecaps fans right now. Trying to bring a little bit of positivity to the show, because... I know we're doom and gloom sometimes here, just chatting about the team. And it may not have felt that this is a a season where there's a lot of positive and a lot of things to be be thankful for. The obvious one, if they had lost yesterday, would have been we're thankful that it's nearly finished. But we got some good responses, so I'll go through some of those just now. At Angus Walker said, I'm thankful we've got a midfielder who plays the press in Russell Tybert. A midfielder who breaks plays up in Leo a midfielder 
who can dribble a bit and pass. Jani Obekel, and a midfielder who can put the ball on a dime anywhere on the pitch, Michael Baldissimo. He does go on though to say, unfortunately none of them can do more than one of these things at a time. And we'll certainly be having a little chat about the midfield later in this part. At Mark underscore Conacher says, I'm thankful that MLS doesn't have relegation. Think we all are, Mark. Oz Sweeney says on a personal level, he's thankful that he's able to do schooling in school and that his family are all doing well and safe during the pandemic. And from a sporting side with the Whitecaps, he is thankful that the season is almost over and that the players and staff are all staying COVID free. Considering how some of the other teams have been impacted, not just in MLS, but also in other sports as well, you've got to give a a big well done for the Whitecaps and the players and managing to stay COVID free at this time. Hopefully not jinxing them. Hopefully that does continue. Christina at Mudcree says, I'm thankful that this account is funnier than it ought to be. But I think that has to do with the low bar I set for humour and the minions you have running it. She's also thankful that the Whitecaps continue to be a source of reluctant humour. It it does help sometimes just to to lighten the mood. Naveed Masinchi says it's all about Baldy and Hassal for him this season. That's what he's thankful for. And that was a very common trend from a a lot of the replies. At Uncle Boomtown, he said Baldissimo's progression is the clear bright spot for him. Rick Halland at Halas777 says he's thankful that Baldissimo and Hassal have been given a chance to play and hopefully have opened the door for more homegrown players. A fact that Jose Antonio Santos agrees with, saying that both players have shown that they are MLS quality. Chad Camacho at Chad5189 says he's just simply thankful for Baldy. Ryan McLeod at CTV Ryan says, I'm thankful a Whitecaps keeper hasn't been killed yet this season, although it has seemingly been close on several occasions. To which Scott Harrison QB replied that they we are approaching spinal tap drummer levels of injuries, which we are. If anyone's not familiar, the spinal tap that was a, a running gag that they're they kept having to replace drummers for various reasons. John O'Flynn at John O'Fly says he's thankful for Nick Dazovich being a good human being, one who knows that sacrifices are made by professional aspiring players and sees the daily challenges and difficulties for Whitecaps players and coaches in the USA, and to be playing in these challenging times. And the last one we'll read out just now, Rob Renfrew says he is thankful to have zone so he can watch real football. Harsh Rob, cuts you to the quick. So Zach, anything from a Whitecaps perspective that y- you feel thankful about? Thankful that people aren't in the stadium so they don't have to watch. This horrible football. Hey, we're on a winning streak. We're trying to keep this positive. Oh man. Uh thankful for. Like in the in the present? Yeah. I, uh, I mean the folk I there were saying like Baldy and like getting young guys like Hassal playing time and 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 stuff like that. So I mean I guess that's the, the obvious things to be thankful for, but <clears throat> yeah, I mean when I think about the Vancouver Whitecaps and being thankful, I think the primary thing for me is, is relationships and uh, the people I've met over the years, uh, those who I still connect with and those who I connect with a little bit less. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, even, even just like people like yourself, Michael and Steve and, and Har um, just, yeah, I'm thankful for, I'm thankful for the community that's uh, around football uh, in the, in the lower mainland. 
Yeah, that's something that I'm very thankful for as well. It's a great community, and it's like I've made some good friends like yourself, Steve, Har. It's like there's a lot of good folk out there that cover the game and are passionate about the game, supporters of the game. So, I mean, that's certainly something I'm thankful for. What about you, Steve? Anything from a Whitecaps perspective or local football perspective that, that you're thankful for? I think I'm thankful that despite how poorly run this organization is, they're not bottom of the table. <laughs> is that positive? That's positive. <laughs> that's positive, I think. Yes. I, I tweeted out that the Whitecaps had moved up to 10th after that win, and someone replies saying, that says it all, really. We're happy that we've moved up to 10th. Har, what about you? Anything from a Whitecaps perspective that you're thankful for? Yeah, I'm just thankful for the relationships that I've made. You know, I think Zach mentioned that, all the wonderful people that I've met, uh, Michael, Steve, Zach, you guys, you know, Gemma, Basso, all the media types, JJ, you know, just everyone that you get to see on a regular basis at training or just talking with them on the phone or texting, you know, the community that covers and cares about the team. And I just think the, the opportunities that all of us have had just covering the team and following it, it's opened a lot of doors for, I know, all of us in, in our careers in media and just given us different possibilities. So I'm, I'm thankful for that avenue and and just all the opportunities and the friendships and relationships that I know I've built, they they really mean a lot to me. That's very nice. See, we can be positive and upbeat. But enough of that. Let's get back talking about some other Whitecaps issues. Some of this might be positive as well. Because as I said, the Whitecaps have now moved up to 10th in the West. They're only one point off Colorado, who take the 8th and final playoff position the downside about that is Colorado have four games in hand now due to all their positive COVID tests. I genuinely, we talked about this in last week's show, I genuinely don't see how they can fit this into the season. They were talking about they'd have to play three or four games in a week. It's just... And, what, what and that's happens? unfair for the other teams too. I'm happy for Kai that he got out of there. Yes. If, if you look at the standings, though, all the teams, bar San Jose, that fill the playoff places, they all have at least one game on hand on the Whitecaps. Few of them have a couple, mainly because they've, they've got to play Colorado. So, I mean, you look at the standings, the top five, they look set, they look like they're, they're good for getting in. Even six and seven, I mean, they look comfortable, but they still are catchable. You just need to string a few runs together. It feels like a tall order. Yes, they're one point behind. I'm not going to ask you again, do you think they're going to make it? But, I mean, it's it's a tall order. They've got six games left. Five of them, though, are in Portland. Their new home from home. Four of them are home games. One of them is their away game against the Timbers. That, and I asked the players and MDS after that, that's got to count for something. I mean, you look at a team like LAFC who come to visit on Wednesday. They've been good at home, but they've been terrible and they've been shipping goals left, right and centre on the road. Do you think having those five games in Portland is going to give them enough of a boost to maybe make them competitive and in in the hunt till way, way down the line? I mean, with the the way things are set up for this year, uh, they're going to be in the hunt all the way, no matter what, because it's whatever it is, eight out of 12, right? So uh, I, I can't see them falling that far. Uh, 
I can always there is always going to be a sense of hope. Like they're always going to be within, let's say, I don't know, six points of the of, of a playoff spot. Um, so in that sense, I mean, they're going to continue. I mean, that's the language they're going to use, right? When they're speaking publicly. Well, yeah, we're they only, have to. They, we're only one of, yeah, we're only one point out of a playoff spot. We're only three points out of a playoff, like whatever. But um, yeah, I mean, those who know the, the league and the structure and what's happening this year know that that's not really anything meaningful. Let's look at who they've got left then. There's LAFC on Wednesday, then LA Galaxy next Sunday, then the huge one against San Jose that for me looks the most winnable one and San Jose are in the the, port, the playoff positions. Then your last three games to close it out. Seattle, tough. Portland, in Portland, tough. But they did do well the last time they played the, the Timbers in that game. And then the Galaxy to close out the season, which, I mean... Two games against a Galaxy side that you don't know what Galaxy side you're getting, which is, they've just been baffling this year. I mean, Har, we haven't had you on the show to ask you this. Do you think they have a chance of making it? A realistic chance? How realistic? Do you think they'll make it? No. Fair enough. I, mean, I think playing at Providence Park, I think it will give them... A boost being there and not having to travel, you know, the same day that they have a game. I think that gives them a boost. Whether or not that boost is big enough to make the playoffs, no. I know going into the last game they played against RSL, I believe 538 had them at a 4% chance to make the playoffs. I don't know how much that has gone up. But with all the teams they have to kind of climb and maneuver about and games coming in such a short span... I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. The schedule is really tough with, you know, LAFC, Seattle, Portland, I've, even San Jose, I think is tough. They've always played Vancouver top. Wondolowski hasn't scored in a full game against the team. I think the galaxy are the biggest opportunities for them mm-hmm. to get three points. So that's where they've got to make haste. If they're, if they're in really tough. And so are all those other teams that are below the eighth spot. So it'll be tough. I think they'll get a boost, but not enough to make the playoffs. I also think that uh, if they are going to make the playoffs, I, I see Colorado being uh, not eligible for the playoffs being a part of that scenario. That could be a, a re- realistic scenario, which is terrible for Colorado, who had clearly been doing well because after all these games are still in the playoff places and they haven't played the last four games. But, but the thing, the thing is, you, you say it's unfair for Colorado, but they knew the rules that they had to f- follow. And obviously, somebody on the team or multiple people on the team didn't follow those rules. But so not necessarily, that's... because they're still at home with their family. So someone's wife could have been in a coffee shop and come home with it yes, and but passed it on to the player. But their their families should have known those rules too. And you have to be able to isolate yourself from... Not not your immediate family, but your extended family. If you want to get this season going, those were the rules that everybody had. Though, like you could say the same thing yeah. about other teams that don't have, but they don't have these tests. That I'm going positive. Well, yeah, I mean that that's actually, I mean that was what I put somebody had was thankful about in the tweets, and it, it's great the Whitecaps have managed to avoid this so far. And touch wood, I do not want to jinx them now, but I mean that they've been well. I mean that the travel aspect. It could come into play, but we'll get an indication of that in the LAFC game on Wednesday. It's like LAFC are going to be missing Diego Rossi for that one. 
I don't know how big a, a difference that is, but they're definitely a different team on the road. We won't delve into that too much just now, but I'm looking at the six fixtures left, and I think they can beat Ellie in their home game. I think they can beat San Jose in their home game and maybe take a point from the Galaxy in LA. So it'd be seven points. Maybe take a point from Portland to give them eight. And at a push, maybe take a point from LAFC to give them nine. The The problem that the Caps have is they're playing teams that they don't want to be playing. They want to be playing the teams that's just above them in the table that they don't get to play games against. So that costs them hard. It's like you're, you're not playing Dallas. You're not playing Minnesota. You're not playing Colorado. So you can't take points off them. Instead, you're playing the teams that's right in the top four right now. And that's... That's just not good for them. So what's everyone else's predictions then for points from these last six games? I'm going to say eight. Uh, so you're saying... Oh, you mean they're going to pick up the first draw of the season? No, say, that's exactly what I was going to say, Steve. You think that first they're actually going to draw? Yeah, yeah, they're going to draw two matches, Michael? Yeah, they're six and 11 just now. Yeah. I, I think they want... I was, gonna say, I, I was just going to say six points. Egan was talking about um, gimmicks. I think they want to be able to go through a season without any draws. Yeah, I think that's a perfect gimmick. Maybe the marketing people could use that next. Yeah. No more, no more of those boring draws. Six points. I'm going with six points. Six points from Har. Eight from so me. Uh, I'll go nine. Oh, Mr. Positive. I, I don't want to give them a draw, so I'll go six tops. Oh, that could be enough. I doubt it. I haven't obviously looked at all the other fixtures. I'll kind of delve into that over the course of the next week, like who Dallas have got and who Minnesota's got and stuff like that. Houston as well, who's just above the caps just now. So let's get into, just round this part off with some individual player chat. Now, we talked about Baldy in the first part. I think he should be starting. When he's come on, he's looked good. I know they probably want to go easy with him. They don't want to run him into the ground. MDS has been going for experience in the, the last couple of lineups, going for the older guys. But I think with what, what Baldy's done here, you've got to, to play him now as a starter. The old adage is, if you're good enough, you're old enough. So I would play Baldissimo and play him and just keep playing him. He's the best midfielder they have right now. It's almost like he's not afraid or he's not nervous out there. I don't know if it's because he's young or he's not a super experienced as a professional in MLS. But when he comes on, he brings some kind of excitement, some kind of rejuvenation to the midfield. So I would start him. I know you, you don't want him to get kind of too set in that place in the midfield, but he's such an asset that they need him in the middle of the park. So I would start him. Maybe if you have you know, three games in nine days, maybe you give him a half off or a game off. But I think he should be starting the majority of these six games that they're left. So, Zach, do, do you feel Baldy should be a starter right now? Yeah, no, I would agree with Har. I, I think, uh, obviously, you don't want to um, maybe hurt his development by playing him too much in this quick schedule. But, I mean, the six games that they have remaining this season, I think he should get as many minutes as possible. Um, I know that's not how they are going to approach things. Uh, they are going to approach things with this, hey, we need to win every game because that's literally the only thing that they think that they can do to actually engage people. And so that, that won't be the deciding factor for them. But uh, I think as a football club, if they were to do what's best for themselves and for the player, he would be playing more than he is currently. 
Steve, would you, would you like to see him like out of these last six games starting three, four, all of them? No, uh, five to six, whatever he can handle uh, uh, endurance-wise. Uh, and I'd like to see him in different combinations to see who he fits in best with. Um, so, if, you know, one game you put him with uh, um, Owusu, one game you could put him with Tiber, one game, like, just rotate it to see who he's best, because I think he's a starter next year. And then whoever he fits in best with, uh, then you actually get a player like that, but a, a better, like a higher talent value. So you get you want to get the right type of player to play with them and then find a better player to actually play with them next year. I mean, Glass City tweeted out on Sunday night that if the if Schuster is not looking to build the midfield around Baldissimo next season, there's something wrong. And I, I actually I agree with that. It's like we, we should be looking to get those players around him that's going to bring the, the best out of him. Now, Steve mentioned Tybert there. He's been playing as a left midfielder, left winger, role the, the last couple of games, did well uh, in that first game against San Jose. There was some stuff made because MDS was really pissed off after the game that he had to pull him off at half time. And folk were like, well, why, why are you upset? Because you knew that that was the thing. And I, it was more just frustration because he'd been playing well. He has actually surprised me, Har, in how well he, he's played in that role Maybe this is a, a role that we should have been looking at exploring with him for, for a while now. He's linking up with Freddie Montero quite nicely on that left side there. They've got a give and go going. They seem to know where each other are. And so in that game against San Jose, he was really instrumental in some of those offensive chances they created. He was really good against RSL. Unfortunately, he can't go the full 90 because of the hamstring injury. I believe that's what TSN said on the broadcast. So Hopefully with these extra days, he gets a full recovery and he can go a lot longer in the next game. I'd like to see him maybe on the wing and then you have um, Baldissimo in the middle of the park and maybe you can try him with Owusu or Andy Rose, maybe Bikel or someone else. But I'm also wondering if you put Tybert on the wing and maybe you have Dahomey on the other wing, Malinkovic, where does he play? We've kind mm. of not seen him get a lot of minutes lately. You could play him through the middle, but then again, well, I mean, we've gone four four two the last two games. It's hard to judge if it worked against San Jose because we were down to nine men. So it worked in the first half clearly because it was nil nil. Do you like that formation, Zach? It's an older fashioned formation. I know when it was the team went up, folk were like, "No one plays four four two anymore." It worked against RSL. Is that what you feel? To get the personnel and especially to have like Kava and Freddie up front together, we kind of have to go four four two. I don't. I don't think in the long run it's the most ideal formation. No, it is. It now seems like one of those formations that uh, typically, uh, yeah, teams who are just trying to uh, hold on or get a result or whatever, maybe will kind of more more approach. And I don't, I don't care if it's old, right? You care more if it works. Mm. Um, but uh, no, I, 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 again, I, I think part of the, this problem, or part of the problem that MDS has had in general is, you, you know, you guys have been asking him for a long time now, even since he came. Like, what do you want the identity of the team to be on the field? And he's talked about his ideals. I think he's tried some of his ideals with the limited squad, with the limited spending. Uh, he's been able to implement the 
and this year the stripping of his squad of its most talent, arguably its most talented players. Um, and so he is not able to actually try and implement the football he wants. I think he's been told, I'm guessing he's been told by people above him that, hey, what you've tried doesn't work. You need to go with some other things. And he's flexible and he's wise enough to try them. But I think in an, in an idealistic sense, Michael, the answer to your question is the coach needs to go with what he thinks will be best uh, the way he wants to play. Uh, what does that mean for MDS? I think right now it's, hey, I just need to get some results because that's what the, the overall club needs because we're in such a bad spot. And so I think they're just going to do whatever they can. So it's not going to be about like, well, what would be good for developing Baldissimo or what would be good for developing player X or group of player, this group of players. It's going to be how can we uh, pull off a draw or pull off a win uh, get to the playoffs. All those—that's all that's going to rule the rule of the day. So they're going to play four, 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 two, and probably four, two, three, one would be my guess as the primary ways to try and um, uh, either bunker and and hit on the counter, or uh, you know, s- you know, score, you know, score in a four, four, two, and then try and hold on for the rest of the game or or whatever. But um, yeah, I mean, the, the five subs has allowed them. Like when they were up, for example, against RSL, to to then stack players in defence in midfield. So I mean, that's been good from that aspect. I, I agree. I don't think it's a long term solution for the team. It has allowed them though to do this pressing that Mark has been wanting from the start. And I mean, that that's one thing. Last player we'll, we'll talk about Ranko Veselinovic. There was a bit of confusion yesterday. A lot of us tweeted out that that was his 12th appearance, so that had triggered him joining the Whitecaps permanently. But it turns out it's 12 starts before that option is called in, and that was his 10th start against RSL. If he makes two more starts, it's a $2 million fee, by all accounts, to, to bring him here. We talked about it a few weeks ago, like, where was he? Were they not playing him because they didn't want to hit this this margin? I think you have to give him a run out with Godoy for the rest of the season. I know that is going to mean triggering this. Is it worth spending all that money on a centre-back when you've spent a lot of money bringing Godoy in and you've got a DP defender in Ali Adnan? Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, as long as someone there knows what the actual thing is that will trigger the contract, I think that's the first issue that needs to be sorted out and primarily known. Because if they don't know what 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 does it, and they and they trigger it, and they didn't know, that would just be too. Oh, it'd be terrible. Two white caps, but um, no. In terms of should they do it or not, I, I I've always thought Ranko to be a, a really good fit for Vancouver and someone who could potentially help them. I still, I mean, he hasn't. I mean, he's been a little bit at least inconsistent, you could say, which is you know a theme of our our, our you know our discussions of the team. I don't know that it looks great to spend $2 million on him. That, that would be my concern is that I don't think he's proven enough to warrant that, that amount. And when you hear some of the people from the club, including actual sister talk about how great it was that they invested so much money in Eric Godoy last year, and he's not had his best time in Vancouver uh, in the last eight months or nine months or whatever it's been. Um, I don't know that it's wise to spend similar or even more money on another not really fully, you know, proven proven kind of player, 
Is there a potential there? Yes, don't get me wrong. Uh, is it worth spending that kind of money? I, I personally don't think so. And if you can, if you can, if it is starts, if it is 12 starts, you can still get lots of Renko in this season to evaluate, to make your decision, um, assuming that you can buy even if you don't start him full time. Um, and hopefully someone knows that. You, there's lots of time to get him into games and, and, and evaluate in these last six games that you don't have to. You could start him once and sub him in five times and make a decision then. That, that would be my, my approach. For, for, for me, it would be, it'd be very uh, break-disappointing um, if they didn't know uh, what, um, what was in the contract. So it would be really uh, surprising to me uh, for that. And I think that I, I, I don't think he's worth uh, – if, if they don't – like it feels like if they had the confidence in him that they would have started him every game. And I don't know if they have the confidence. So if they don't have the confidence, it's not worth putting that money towards that player. Oh. Yeah, I think they can't afford to catch a bad brick on this one. They've got to get it right. I would start him in one more match and then make sure he came on as a substitute in as many of the next five matches or however you want to kind of configure it. I'd probably give him a start against Seattle just because they're the toughest team and he's already played against them, I think, twice now. I'd have to go check if he was in the lineup for those two games against Seattle. But I would give him, you know, those starts and just on the young kid, he's played, you know, with a lot of different center backs. He's not had like a kind of consistent partner back there. And I know that can be challenging. He he has had to deal with, you know, four different goalies on this team, kind of getting used to. He's in a new league. We're in the COVID situation. So there's a lot of that at, at play for him. I just think we need to see more from Ranko Veselinovic. I think he could be a good player, a good prospect, but. I think this needs to be more a bigger sample size before they can make this decision. And unfortunately it's 12 games started. So that's coming up pretty soon. So yeah, play them in one game sub for the next five and then make sure you get the, uh, the right break there. Now do the, do the playoffs count? That's the question. If they make it to the playoffs. Oh yeah. That, playoffs. That so key. So playoffs. key. You need to know that it's so key. Yeah. Someone get, someone get Jeff on the phone. Also, we can't forget about Jasser Kimiri. I've tried, but apparently yeah, it's unable to get him out of my head. The only thing, last thing I'll say about Ranko is he's very highly rated. He was mooted to have a move to Europe. The Whitecaps came in for him. If you're going to take a young European player with potential, you are going to have to pay for it. So if folk might be balking at that $2 million price tag, in the grand scheme of European football... That's actually not a bad price tag in MLS. It's not good, yeah. I, I, yeah, Michael. I just just to be clear, I was not questioning his market value within the hmm. world. I'm just I'm uh, so I'm not yeah. I'm just saying that for Vancouver and what they've done and who they are, where they're at right now, I think that it, it's a bit of a risky uh, risky thing to, to to spend two million on him. If you do spend two million on him for in the next season, how do you justify? not playing him for that price tag if you brought him in. You can't just sit him on the bench. He's he's basically got to be starting most games next season if you're spending $2 million to make a permanent move. So that could be a factor as well. I totally yeah. agree. Yeah, I, that, I mean, that's that's the headache that MDS and, and Schuster will have. The more money you spend on these guys, you're kind of dictating what your starting lineup is in some ways. 
that was actually something that was asked to Axel in our media roundtable a few weeks ago, which isn't in the audio that, that's coming up later in the show. But that that's it for our, our chat about Whitecaps players just now. So definitely a lot of passion on the pitch from the Whitecaps, shown in that second half against RSL on Saturday night. That's really all you can ask for from players. You want to see them playing for the jersey. You want to see them playing for the team, for the fans. If they show some heart and still don't get the job done, I think supporters are a lot more forgiving when they might come up short. We chatted about one of the tweets there that if you sort of get to know the players and they hang around long term, that that, that helps as well. But certainly seeing passion from the guys, that desire to win, that hunger to win, that does it for supporters as well. And I think that brings us nicely to this week's Wavelength. Yes, we're bringing it to you a little bit earlier this week than usual in the show. And we're actually bringing you quite a recent song as well. I know you'll be quite surprised by that. But you won't be surprised to know, it is a punk song. This is from a band called Suede Razors, who are from the San Francisco Bay Area. This is a song from their 2018 album, All the Hits and Misses. And this is called Passion on the Pitch. Yeah. 
San Francisco Bay Area band The Suede Razors there with their 2018 song Passion on the Pitch. As I said in the intro, that's all we want to see from the Whitecaps. That's all you want to see from any footballer for your team playing for the jersey, showing some passion, showing some fight and showing some hunger. Those should be the prerequisites for any new Whitecaps players coming in. When will we possibly see some new players coming in? And just what is the future of the club going to be looking like? Well, we're going to be addressing that now in the next three parts of the show. The first two of which, we're going to bring you some audio from Whitecaps CEO and Sporting Director Axel Schuster from a recent media roundtable that Axel had. And we'll be back with the first part of that after this. Hi, I'm Lucas Cavallini. You're listening to the AFD Soccer Show. Sorry that you don't like me, but at least they do. Strawberry Sunday is my only fun day. It's the one day I can lie and dream about you. Strawberry Sunday is mine. Only fun day. It's the one day I can lie and dream about you. I like strawberries. Cause they're so nice and they're so sweet I like strawberries Cause they're so nice and they're so sweet I like strawberries Cause they're so nice and they're so sweet I like strawberries Cause they're so nice and they're so sweet Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM And kicking off this part, it's the first of tonight's Three of a Kind selections from 1986, Scottish indie legends, the BMX Bandits, who hail from Bells Hill near Glasgow, with a live version of their song Strawberry Sunday that features on the 12-inch of their iconic and classic double A-side single E-102 and Sad, which was part of the whole C-86 scene. You can also find it, a different version of it, the studio version of it, on their 1998 album, The 53rd and a Third Years. That was the record label they were on. And as I mentioned, it kicks off tonight's Three of a Kind. For anyone that's new to the show, at the start of parts three, four and five, we're going to kick things off with a song that is all connected in some way. Your job over the next couple of parts is to A, work out what that connection might be, and if you're clever enough to have worked out what the connection is after the second one at part four, try and think what we might come up with to play to kick off part five. Let's see how you get on this week. So we're going to continue the Whitecaps chat in this part, but we're going to take a break from our chatting for a while to bring you some audio from Whitecaps CEO and Sporting Director Axel Schuster. We're going to bring you that over the next two parts, and this comes from a media roundtable that he had on September 24th. So it was the day after the 6-0 shellacking by LAFC. And since LAFC are coming up again for the Whitecaps midweek, and we've got a bit more time now, we thought we would kind of bring you some selected highlights from that media roundtable. 
And what I've done is I've split the the audio or the audio that we're going to use into two different parts. So it's not the order that the questions were asked at the round table, because that was just a free-for-all. So the topics were going from one thing to another, then back to stuff. So I've kind of tried to group things together just to kind of make things uh, a little bit more cohesive for, for your listening pleasure. Then once we've played you both parts, we'll be back to kind of unpack some of the stuff that Axel says and just discuss more about the, the future direction of the Whitecaps under Schuster's charge. So for this part, we're going to kind of look at what the club need to do to establish an identity and a culture, what the club also need to do to woo fans back. Is it simply a case of having a winning team on the pitch? Do the problems go much deeper rooted for that for a, a number of fans? I think we know the answer to that one. We know the Whitecaps' problems are very deep rooted now. There's been a lot of mistrust out there over the years and things have just got worse with things even in recent times like the, the firing of Mark Panis, which seems so long ago now. So these are all things that you're going to hear Axel discussing in this part. As always with these things, I've kind of cut out the pleasantries and the introductions of who the media are. But you're going to hear from myself, JJ Adams, Gemma from Canadian Press, Joey Kenward from Sportsnet, Sam Rowan, and I'm sure I've forgotten a few others. But you'll hear from all of us asking the questions over the next two parts. So make your favourite hot beverage, grab a chocolate digestive, sit back and enjoy, if that's the right word... Axel Schuster. Your your duties now are, are far more expansive than than that. You know, regarding the technical side and the, and the sporting side. Um, you know, the the, the Whitecaps supporters. It's a to to borrow a phrase. It's a it's a house of negativity right now, and it's something that kind of predates even your tenure here. Um, just in terms of like your your job in reconnecting this club with the the community and the fan base, and you know results like last night are not going to help. But how 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 big is this job that you guys have ahead as as an organization to you know repair that that relationship and and foster that incitement that we saw say in two thousand eleven? I think. And please, please, this uh, is an open platform. You're allowed to ask every question and then you're allowed to give every comment and also recommendation at some point. I think the 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 thing I, I heard most from our supporters was uh, that the club was not transparent, that the club had not the right openness, um, that the club has not uh, been honest at, at every point. So we have made, we made a lot of mistakes. I think the first thing we have to change after such a game is to be transparent, to be open, to not look for excuses. Uh, I think if you're a supporter of a club, and I'm also a supporter of, of some sports and some clubs, you're not expecting your organization, you hope, but you're not expecting your, your, your organization, your club to win all the time. And, and it is part of, of the game that you lose and, and that that happens. It is, part that uh, you sometimes get even a beating like yesterday. What you expect from your organization is to deal with that in the right way. And and, uh, and that's what we want to do, what we want to do today. 
and uh, we are not the only club uh, that is losing games. We are not the only uh, and first club that that got a beating like yesterday. Uh, there are famous examples in the history of football. Um, you see also yesterday some some away teams struggling, but that is all not not an excuse. It's uh, it's the question. The only question is what happened, what we have done wrong. We have done things wrong. There's the, I I I don't see any answer at the end that is like oh, we did everything right but it was the un one unlucky day it was not like that no um you can have games like that that can happen but that was not the game yesterday so now it's for us uh, to find out and uh, and um before the next game i uh, i'm 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 ready uh i will be on the, the i will be on the, on the, on the, on the platform before the game with our uh, seasonal ticket holders and uh, if uh, somebody asks me, I, I will answer what we found out and, and what we want to do different. Just a follow-up really to, to what JJ asked there. I mean, it's fine talking about the game yesterday and transparency. And yeah, that is stuff that season ticket holders and fans have been crying out for. But the club has been hemorrhaging season ticket holders this season, last season, primarily, not necessarily because of transparency, but because the team is not competitive on the pitch, they're not playing good football. I've had season ticket holders say to me, the next time we speak to you, can we ask you, what are you specifically going to do as a club to bring back these season ticket holders that have walked away? What can you offer these season ticket holders to make them say, I want to come back into the fold? The, the only thing we can do, I don't want to ask them, I want to convince them that, that uh, or I want to give them the feeling that, that we are doing things different than before, that we are doing things better. And and I said, maybe you remi remind uh, that, and I'm pretty sure you remind that, uh, as I'm on my very first press conference in November last year, and it's uh, it's it's crazy, it's, it's close to one year ago, I said, I'm not Harry Potter. So don't expect magical things. Don't expect us to win the league next year. I said always at the end of each season, we should sit down together. So you and me, and I'm looking forward to that uh, some, somewhere in December and to discuss if we made progress in this season, if we made a development, if we make are making steps into the right direction. And that's, I think that's the, if, if we do that, and uh, if we if we can convince people and ask people, or at at one point we get trust from people that we are doing the right thing step by step, I think then that's the the best thing we can do to convince them to come back. Um, but after you made so many mistakes, like this organization did in the last years, after you made so many things wrong, uh, you first have to to deliver something. And the only thing we can deliver is is doing better step by step, and uh, and yes, I'm. I, you have never seen me like that. <laughs> That's a good thing that the journalists are not that close to the sporting director like in Germany. I was totally pissed yesterday, so I was upset. I was I was I was I had to be careful with myself, not to 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 say the wrong things. Uh, so I didn't spoke at after the game yesterday. Um, I'm 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 kicking everybody here in their ass um, to 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 become better every day and to do better and to find solutions and to find answers. Um, but but said that and believe me, 
you can ask guys that have been around me yesterday how upset and pissed I was. There are some steps or some development I don't want to forget. We did and we will. I will not question everything because of the game yesterday. Because we are still, we are still in a better position than last year. Um, we are, however, because we were lucky with the results yesterday, close to the line of the players. And um, we, we signed a lot of players. And I think uh, not everybody yesterday, but a lot of those players showed that they have the possibility and the quality to, to help us to be a better team. And then you see yesterday, there was, between you and me, there was only one positive thing in the game yesterday. And that was the performance of Eric Godoy in the second half. And uh, seeing him coming on after this long injury, we bought him in winter. We invest a lot of money into him. A lot of our cap space, we invest in Eric. To, so he was missing. Bickle, he is still far away from his best performance, but he's still, uh, he's already one of our best players. So... Um, um, I think um, there are things that are in the process into the right direction. I still believe that. But, of course, believe me, uh, yesterday there are no excuses for that. And not because some things are, are I, as I said, are uh, some positives. Uh, there are, uh, The pros outweigh the cons. <laughs> so not because of that, uh, that excuses yesterday, really not. But uh, but our idea is uh, uh, to sign uh, an DP that is very very impactful to our game. Our idea is to sign two to three young youth DPs. We are able to do that um, for next year. That will make a difference again with players like that. And we still have the we still have cap money for for additional players. So our idea is to to make a next step, and uh, if our step this year leads us brings us to the playoffs, and there's still a chance to go to the playoffs. Uh, I fought a lot of years uh, with Minds of Five uh, against uh, against relegation, and if you told, tell me uh, we have two points away from the red line, ten day ten games to go, I felt very good. So I st I still saw a big chance and not a not a big risk. We saw. We saw. You also have to see that that there. We also won three of the last five games. So um, I, I don't want to question everything. I don't want now to become uh, pessimistic, negative. So um, um, then I would say then it was a first step. But we will discuss that in December, and then we want to do the next step. And uh, I always said, as you know, that one of my role models is Philadelphia. The way they built the team over years, and and uh, I'm I'm really I really uh, enjoy their game every every single game day. And if we if we are able to be there in 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 uh, two or three years, I think uh, then also the seasonal ticket holders will come back. I know you've talked about this a little so far, but the the culture change, the idea of of that of shifting the culture at the club. And I know that that's a big term and it can encompass a lot of things, but I wanted to know where you feel you stand in that process at this moment. In the process. <laughs> uh, I, I think that's so hard to, to say where we are right now in this process. Uh, I think um, 
it's a thing that you cannot change because you say it. Uh, it, it is not, it's nothing you change because you write it down on paper. It's something that from top to bottom, you, you have to live every day uh, where you have to be on, uh, where you have to, 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 to kick people in the ass, <laughs> to remind them it has to become a habit at some point. If you were asking me after the Real Salt Lake game, for example, I would say that was a huge step because uh, that was a, a lot about that, what we want to be. We, we were not playing the best game, but we were, we were exactly the team we want to be, working hard, out for, outperforming the, game, the opponent in every, single, uh, in every single physical stats, running more, helping each other, the way how Dachoma defend uh, on the right back uh, together with Jake. That, that was a lot about our mentality. If you would see what, what the Montreal players said after the game, yes. If you look at the game yesterday, we were in some parts of our cornerstones at zero. So, yeah, uh, we're open. Uh, it's a process. We are in the process. Uh, we are making steps forward. I think there are, there are some good examples, but there are still some setbacks. Yesterday was a setback. And... Uh, if we, if, we, if we be on it and we do it in the way I explained it before, I'm very optimistic that we will, uh, that we will make more progress and uh, that it becomes more habit. And uh, we have not always to remind uh, everybody at a certain time to, to do it. How do your expectations, um, where does it sit in terms of the product on the field? I mean, this year there's been a lot of... Um, you know, defensive approach, and, and, and it's understandable at the moment, but I wonder if you see that um, as, as, a, as a bridge to somewhere else. Um, what type of, of product you want to see on the field in terms of the tactics and the productivity, maybe a, a more enterprising approach uh, in the months and years ahead, or, or if you feel like this can be something you guys can embrace as your identity. So, the, yeah, the, the first thing, uh, as approach on the pitch, the first thing is that we have to do our basics always right. And our basics is to 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 work hard to to be the team that runs more, that has more intensive runs, more sprints than the opponent, that wins the one-on-ones. Uh, that are that where every single player has a DNA, a habit to defend our own goal with with its life, with his life. That's everybody has to have this DNA. And if you look at the best examples in the world, and you look at Liverpool or at Atletico Madrid where a striker goes in a sprint deep down into his own half to defend a cross. That's something we, we are working on. That's, that's the basic. And if we, if we become good in defending our goal, because a goal is so important in the game. And I don't speak about playing Catenaccio. Really not. I'm not speaking about setting back and, and only defending. I only speak about that if we are out of possession, every single player has to work hard to come back to possession. We all are very privileged. We all get very good salaries and we get it to work hard on the pitch. And, and so what is it? First of all, hard work. And if we are in possession, then of course, yeah, then we need uh, quality, creativity. But we showed in the last game and even yesterday that we, and that's a, also part of the progress, that we have chances to score. And uh, yesterday we had the moment uh, with, with Theo's uh, cross and, and Carver coming a little bit late. We have two other possibilities where Dajoma uh, 
could could uh, bring one time Carver and one time uh, David into the right position. We have moments in every single game now, um, in every single game to score. We scored a lot of goals in in the games before. So if we if we defend way well and we are not conceding goals, then it's a way good chance to win games. And uh, so this is a question of culture, DNA, mentality. And uh, I will not stop until I see every single player doing it. And and then we want to add some more quality pieces that help us in possession and in attacking the opponent's goal. So part one there of our audio that we're going to bring you from Whitecap CEO and Sporting Director Axel Schuster talking a lot about the, the culture at the club and the identity and how to win fans back and a few more things as well. We'll unpack what he said there in the final part of tonight's show, but we'll be back with the second part of Axel's comments from the round table after this. Hi, my name's Simon Colan and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. People look like emails, white smiles, shut down shops, couldn't walk the paper trails, and in-house fighting, it's the Tom, Dick and Harry smiling. Boris Johnson and the cheeky girls, shut down the underground, so it's back to orgies on the buses, drop us a fiver mate, no worries, £1.29 on Shagall, McFlurries. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's the second of tonight's Three of a Kind selections from 2013, an English band we featured before quite a few times actually, I think now on our Three of a Kind selections, that is Sleaford Mods from their album Austerity Dogs, and that was a song called McFlurry. Have you been able to work out what this week's link might be? We kicked off part three with Scottish indie band the BMX Bandits and their song Strawberry Sunday. Kicking off this part, Sleaford Mods with McFlurry. Do you think you know the link? And if you do... What do you think we might kick off part five with? Find out very soon. But we'll get back to the football chat now. And that means getting back to the second part of our audio from the recent Axel Schuster Media Roundtable. The roundtable, as I mentioned, took place on September 24th, the day after the 6-0 shellacking by LAFC. Haven't had a chance to bring you any of the audio before now. So we have selected highlights for you in the last part in this part and we'll chat about it more and unpack some of what Axel says in the next part. So we looked at a lot of things there in part three. In this part we're looking a little bit more into what the long-term future or even the immediate future of this club could be. Would bringing in a big name player get more bums on seats or again is it just not as simple as that? When is this fabled director of football with scouting department person coming? 
what lies in stores for the, the white caps young players if the the border restrictions stay in place and you can't get these young teams crossing over to to play in the US with Axel's German connections could we be seeing some kind of official tie up with a, a German club to get players from here going over there and then players from there coming over here and just what kind of impact is covid maybe going to have in the white caps recruiting for the 2021 season well you hear about that and a few other things as well from axel in part 2 of the media round table if you're looking at this season And it's great hearing who might come in for next year. Last time we spoke, you talked about the difficulties of getting players to to come here because of quarantine and everything like that. And then a couple of days after that, TFC bring in a guy from England, Tony Gallagher. He's now starting for them. How can these other teams get this done? And the Whitecaps can. Is it just the players you want aren't available right now? Can fans expect any additions to help the team in this running? Yeah, and I heard that. And thank you for asking this question because it's very helpful. Because um, uh, the, the player was offered to us. We, we would be able to sign him. And you know my relationship to Liverpool. But he's a left-back. So I think hopefully everybody agrees that that, that this should not be the position where we should sign the first player. No. Um, so, okay. So that that that's uh, uh, a possibility. And, and of course, if a player has a European passport, I always said there was one misunderstanding. If a player have a... North American passport, so Canadian or American, or a European EU EU passport, not a European. Serbia is uh, EU, so EU passport or a passport from Japan or, or South Korea, we would be able to bring him in, and and then he can come in in two or three days, and then ten days quarantine, still ten days quarantine, the the mandat- mandatory quarantine of MLS, the same that uh, uh, even a player with a trade would have, and then a the player can play, so. But uh, um, this limits, of course, um, this limits, of course, the the scouting area or the the, the recruitment area. So because um, 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 the the player we are looking for is not a player who is uh, is uh, not having any impact to his team right now. The player we are looking for is not the player that uh, looks for getting the chance to play some minutes. is is a young guy who is sitting on the in the stands in the club. So we are we are looking for the players that help us to make the next step, that helps us to to become better and perform better. Um, I always said we are not looking in signing a player only to have a player, or we are not looking in signing a player to have one more member of our squad squad to rotate a little bit more every every signing that we are doing right now is is also uh for for the next year already so said that the players we would like to sign we have to compete with other clubs as well and, and that's a good sign because uh, if the if players we would like to sign are also in the focus on of other clubs that means uh obviously that that uh that they are not uh, the lost player that has no other option anymore. But then you have to convince players and and, and convincing players in these times is not always easy because um, because uh, of the special situation, about uh, the quarantine, about the number of games, about the off-season. 
So we are, we were speaking with players that want to go to the Euro, Euro next year, uh, for example, only to give you one example. So I was speaking with a player who wants to go to Euro next year and he's, uh, he's now uh, on, uh, uh, on the bench in his club. But he said, hey, you're not playing any games between December and April, but how should my national team coach see me? How should I be ready for the, for the national team break in March if I cannot show up? So these are all small, small things. Um, we, 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 not, we are not giving up, but uh, these are all small things we, we are discussing with the profiles. I can tell you we have already a, a, a more than a handful of profiles for next year we could sign today. And we keep them warm and looking in the same time on the two, three guys we are fighting for to get them in now. And they are also for, for next year. But again, um, what should we do if the exact perfect profile, the, the one guy that would help us is South American, African or Serbian or whatever. And that means we need a visa and we need a, the full quarantine and all of that. Should we not do it because of that? No. So um, this is the things we are dealing with. And in the same time, we want to be a club that signs three of these youth DP players next year. We want to be one of these organizations who is doing that. But there are restrictions also uh, in the regulations for next year. So it means something to your three DPs, also to the age of your third DP, and then all about the salary of your third DP. And we are also working on that because we don't want to limit our numbers of youth DPs for next year because we are signing now the uh, one one DP that that is on the market and we could also sign, but then we are limited by the numbers because there is a restriction if uh, your third DP is not fulfilling certain uh, certain regulations, then you are only allowed to sign one youth player. And, and I'm not allowed to speak more about that because it's not official, but uh, I spoke already too much about it now. But I want to give you an insight that it is not that easy. It's not, it's, it's, a, it's a puzzle. And, uh, and then in the same time, before the game yesterday, we won three or four games. And then we are not feeling that, that it, is, it is so important to find now a player because otherwise we lose every game. So we still have the belief that we can do better with the group than yesterday, for sure. We have to, and we, we don't believe we have to. Uh, and, and to get this, this points that brings us over the red line. Sorry, can I just clarify? So it's not a definite no to bring in someone in this year, but it's probably unlikely. No, sorry, sorry. Yeah, thank you for that. Uh, I, I just, I just, had a call before this and I, I, I agreed to speak with an agent to, tomorrow morning European time. So at midnight this today uh, to, to, to make a step forward. So if there is a yes, then it's a yes, then the player comes. So nobody, so to, to, to have that way clear, not there are really no money issues. So there's not a budget issue for me. There is not, there is not a, uh, um, a general hold back because of COVID, because of, uh, of tr uh, visas, because of the situation. The only thing that holds us back is that we want to be totally convinced that it is the right profile that not only helps us, we are not looking at players where we say, okay, of course, if we look at the game yesterday, if he would be here, he helps us. No, the players that are coming now should make, help us 
to jump a lot in the next season. And as I said, we jumped a little in this season until now. And, and maybe at the end in December, if we speak, we maybe everybody agrees we jumped a good step. But next season, we even want to ha ha to make a bigger jump. And then uh, that's that's it's it's about doing the right thing and not only doing something. The current COVID situation, obviously, nobody really knows what's going to happen going into next year. We don't know how long the border is going to be closed. Worst case scenario this situation carries on next season starts with maybe the team still having to be based out of the us how problematic is the next couple of months in negotiating with players if you're saying to them look well you might come over with your family but then you might not be there with your family you might have to be away just because of all the uncertainty is that going to cause problems for you yeah Thank you for asking this question because I think I brought it up the last time. Uh, I had a moment where, where a player asked me about that and he said, hey, yeah, I was in Vancouver with my wife and she will be so happy and, and she will come directly with me. Um, and I said, yeah, but the only thing you have to know, we are in Portland and your wife, yeah, she can be in Vancouver, but not with you together. And if you go back, you're in quarantine. And uh, if things, because uh, the quarantine is always 14 days, so... Uh, if we if we proceed in the league and we stay and go into playoffs, uh, the quarantine can be very long. <laughs> in the way, worst case, uh, you're under quarantine at Christmas. So this becomes then a problem if you're competing for, with other clubs that can also make good offers and also have a platform, a league, uh, a competition, a team, uh, a, a position in the team that is interesting for the player. Because, of course, right now, um, there are some questions about, uh, because the next question is, how does it will look like next year? Do we play next year in US? And, and, and I, I'm not living in Vancouver with my family. Uh, when does the season start again? Um, do the league plan, plans again, uh, maybe to play a tournament like this season, if things become worse? I think it's a, it's a reality that people become more and more interested in, in this virus and, and read a lot. And, and I, what I hear and everybody hears is that everybody expect that in, in the winter period, this virus will become uh, even worse. So uh, again, not even worse, it becomes bad again. So um, we will have higher numbers over the winter. So, so these are all questions, um, but what can we do? We, we, we can try to convince the player that this is exactly the right play, place where he should be, where he should play soccer, and that he doesn't know how the things will be in Europe in the same time, because uh, you don't know. Uh, maybe it's in Europe worse than, than in North America. Maybe we get it done to play, uh, and, and, and in Europe they stop. So this is, it's vague, but of course, it's the first time in my life that I have to discuss things like that and that players ask me how my competition looks like and if there is a competition and when they will play again games. And I said, as I said, especially if you have national team players uh, and of teams that, that still want to, to uh, qualify for, for the Euro next year, uh, things like that, or the players they want to play in the Euro. And, and they say, yeah, it's, for me it's important because I'm in the concurrency situation uh, with other players, I have to, to, to show my national team coach um, that I perform every week, uh, how many games I can show that until the Euro next summer. So, uh, yeah, but 
it's a reality and, and I don't want to complain about that. It's, it's only another piece that we are dealing with right now. But uh, again, I don't make a statement here for not signing players or that we will not sign players. I only, make, uh, I only want to explain how complicated things are in this situation in comparison to non-COVID. I was just wondering the status of the scouting department. I know we've got, you know, new executives in the, in the front office, but uh, do we have a head of scouting? You know, how many people have been added to the scouting department? On the scouting side, um, we decided to, to uh, sign, not sign uh, uh, the director of recruitment before next year because of all the COVID circumstances, um, um, because of all the, the specialties this year. Um, but we, we have some contractors working for us right now. And uh, some of them are know that, we, that they are a candidate for the director of recruitment. So um, I I'm, I'm feel very comfortable to say today that in December, we are able to announce who it will be for next year. But it's a little bit like a competition. And, and uh, so, as I said, we have uh, several guys putting in our in uh, datas into our system, uh, evaluating players, scouting players, um, and and helping us to to find the right guy and and to find everything out about the player that we are not making mistakes. My other question was this: you, you talked about players who have almost come here and names that you know we would recognize or wouldn't believe. I mean, I, I've heard the stories from Robbo about how Wayne Rooney was this close to coming to uh, the Vancouver Whitecaps. My question is, why not bring in a big name player? Why not bring in someone that the fans can gravitate around? I know you're trying to build a certain culture with your team, but isn't that an approach that might also work in terms of, you know, mending fences and, and generating some interest in this team once again? Yeah, you're right. Uh, but only, uh, so first of all, I, I, I never said, and I don't want to say that we were close to sign. So whatever somebody said in, before me, uh, we were not close to sign. We got an offer. We got the possibility. We were asked if we would be interested. We got numbers and we decided not to do it because we, we didn't believe. And now we come to the important point. Uh, we, didn't, we had no belief that this player will have the right impact on the pitch. Because uh, is, it, is it helpful to only sign a big name? Then I better sign him as... Uh, Head of uh, the of or uh, uh, chief marketing officer, <laughs> uh, because uh, if he, if he has only a big name and we hope that this gives us an impact, but at the end of the pitch he is not performing, uh, and that's not really helpful. And I think also in this league, you saw in the past uh, you saw examples of players that didn't perform. So if if at the end you get the feeling that the way big name or big names of world football um, that they say. I, if you would pay me this money, I would be open to come for two years. And then you look at their pedigree and then uh, they're 35, 36, 37, and they haven't played the last year. And, and you look at their videos and you see that they have no intensity. Then you, you get concerned uh, because uh, I think, yes, you're right. In the moment we would sign such a player that would maybe... Uh, maybe give us some attraction and people would say, great that they signed him. But how do you, will you, you all, you, you are evaluating our game, you are writing about our game, you are criticizing our game, 
how would it look like if the guy is not performing? What would you write about that? And you would say it was totally wrong to do it. So um, don't get me wrong, JJ. I would love to sign a big name that also has this mindset to always want to perform. I, I think, uh, for example, a guy like Ibra, he came into this league and he wanted to show everybody that he is an MVP in this league. So if it is a guy like that, with that mindset, with that mentality, of course, we will do it. But uh, those guys I saw now, uh, we were really not convinced that they are coming for the right reasons. All right. So we won't see a return to the days of a, a, a Barry Robson or, or a Kenny Miller uh, anytime soon. You know, older guys who maybe lack the intensity of the, the young um, active squad that you guys want to build. Yeah, and, and don't get me wrong. So it's not only about young players and it's not only about intensity. Of course, you also need quality. If you're only looking at athletes, I maybe better go to the Olympics uh, department of, of Canada or the US. Uh, here, I think in, here in, uh, we have been yesterday in LA, there are a lot of Olympics uh, uh, athletes. We will find some guys, guys, guys that have a lot of intensity and a lot of speed. No, it's not about that, only about that. Of course, you also need quality. But you know how this league works. You know that, uh, that uh, a lot of guys in this league uh, work very hard against our uh, offensive players against, uh, in the midfield. And if you have not any longer this mindset and this ability, because uh, uh, it's unfortunately a reality. And, and, and I, I feel that after nights like the last one, I feel that a lot. <laughs> if you become older, you, 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 I know you are all young enough. You, you, are, you, are, you don't know about what I'm speaking now, but if you become older, you need more time to regenerate. You're not any longer able to perform at the very highest level. So, uh, so it has to fit in, in every single part of the game. First of all, I have to say to JJ, did you not think Barry Robson was intense? Because he looked pretty intense out in the pitch when he was playing. But anyway, aside from that, Last time you mentioned about the, the youth guys under-19s playing in a local men's league. Do you have an update on that? Because I know that a lot of the leagues are actually getting underway. I think we found a solution for every single team in our youth department right now. Even the, the two teams that would normally participate in the border crossing competition. The only team that has not started or we, we, we are still working on is the U19, unfortunately. <laughs> so... Uh, because uh, yeah, because of the the COVID situation, uh, um, and please don't get me wrong, there is a League One BC Soccer League that will start next spring or whatever. There is a league where we will participate, but this league will not start before spring next year. There are some leagues, so we we will play some games. We we have we I know that we will start now with uh, some. Uh, friendlies and we will start with uh, some some sort of games but we haven't uh, been able to to find or to 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 join the 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 one league that we want to join but if i understood it right it is about that the league doesn't start right now coming from germany i i would imagine you've got a lot of contacts throughout europe but especially in germany itself have you considered or would you consider having an official tie-up with a German club? One that could go both ways where you can send young guys over for experience, you could maybe get some of their 
guys that aren't featuring in the first team over to here on loan deals or, or something like that? Just an actual official tie-up. Yes, and we are in conversations, but I cannot speak more about that. But but in general, uh, for us, it's very important uh, as a club who wants to develop players, also only also own players. We we have a we want to have a huge footprint in Canada and then develop also Canadian players, as you see. Uh, and I spoke about that very often. This is also to find solutions, uh, maybe to have platforms for players somewhere else to to play because competition time is the most important thing. And uh, said that if we want to improve the quality in our team, that means maybe that some some young Canadian kids will will have uh, it more complicated to come in soon, immediately after they come out of the U19. So so it is very important on and uh, to to have alternatives alternatives for them and uh, and uh, for that reason we are connecting with different clubs and we are now in in conversations with one uh, where we also see the possibility because Germany uh, the biggest advantage of Germany in comparison to to Canada right now is that we have 10 different leagues that are uh, three are nationwide nationwide but if I compare with 35 million inhabitants in Canada, I would say we have five nationwide leagues. So if you look at the, at the number of people in that region, so, um, so uh, it means we have nationwide uh, U19 leagues and U17 leagues. So we, we have, we have, uh, we have uh, in Germany, or not we, I'm not any longer in Germany, but in Germany, uh, there is a good structure of, of high competitive leagues nationwide. Uh, also in the use, and uh, I think uh, we have to be very open to find good and clever solutions for for our talents and for our players, and also maybe the other way around, uh, as you said, uh, to 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 it. It always helps to to have a, a connection to a European club um, because it is still, uh, and we have to accept that. Um, the 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 holy grail for a lot of players in the world and uh only to show a player maybe also the perspective to perform here very well and then to to move on to to a european club is is also sometimes helpful to convince players that's great and years ago um late 2000s there was a tie-up with energy court bus but that seemed to just be one way it's like our players went over there they didn't seem to come back so that would be good thanks so much yeah, so as I said, the club we are speaking now and the club that we would that we would target as to be a club that has a, uh, a, a is playing in the highest platform in Germany in the U17, in the U19, uh, in the best case has a second team in the in the in the fourth German league, um, and 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 that's what we are looking at right now, and we are there in in uh, discussions and we had already some talks and we are, we are going on with them now. The second and final part of the audio that we're going to bring you from the recent Media Roundtable with Whitecaps CEO and Sporting Director Axel Schuster. Hope you enjoyed it. I kind of picked the most pertinent questions that the whole Roundtable lasted for about an hour or so, so I thought I'd bring you kind of some select highlights. There was some stuff we didn't bring you, but there's a lot to talk about from what he did say, and we will be back doing just that after this.
Hi, I'm Alfonso Davies, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. My milkshake brings all the boys to the yard, and they're like, it's better than yours. Damn right, it's better than yours. I can teach you, but I have to charge. My milkshake brings all the boys to the yard and they're like, it's better than yours. Damn right, it's better than yours. I can teach you, but I have to charge. I know you want it. The things that makes me, oh, what the guys go crazy for. They lose their minds. The way I wind. I think it's time. La la, la la, la. Welcome back to the final part of this week's AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Muscovian Territory at the University of Beautiful, British Columbia. And kicking off this part, it's the final selection from tonight's Three of a Kind. And as a song, I'm sure most of you will know, Khaleesi's classic milkshake, but a version of it I'm sure most of you will not have heard before. English post-punk band, the television personalities there? Not sure exactly when that was kind of released, It is on a 2006 compilation by the band called Somewhere Between Heaven and Woolworths. So I think it probably dates 2005-2006. I like it. I hope you did too. But more importantly, did you work out what this week's link was? So we started off part three with the BMX Bandits, Strawberry Sunday, kicking off part four, Sleaford Mods and McFlurry, and kicking off part five, television personalities and milkshake. And this week's link, ice cream treats. Yes, some kind of sweet treat that comprises in some form of ice cream. If you got that, give yourself a pat on the back. If you didn't, we'll be back with another three of a kind next week. Although in next week's show, you won't actually have to guess what the link is because I'm going to be telling you in advance. But enough of the music chat. Let's get back to the football. Let's get back to unpacking what Axel Schuster said there in the last two parts as we brought you some audio from his recent media roundtable. And there's certainly a lot to talk about coming out of that. So one of the things that Axel was talking about there, Zach, was... Can they change the culture enough to bring the fans back? Or what needs to happen to get the fans back, renewing their season tickets back in the seats? Is it as simple as just having a a winning team in the park? Uh, Yeah, and he said some things there about, uh, you know, having he's heard uh, from from the people. And I know he has because I know uh, in in part he's reached out to the supporters and asked them, for their perspectives, their, their feedback, their, their concerns, that kind of stuff. And so I know some of them have engaged with them and uh, he's 
uh, been open to doing even more engagement. But when you listen to his comments there, a lot of it sounds like, you know, positive, like, oh, yeah, he wants to, he knows he can't make up for everything in the past, but he wants to make changes going forward, which sounds nice. But there was also a bit of this sense of, yeah, but if we just win, uh, everything's going to be okay. Which, in one sense, there, there's a lot of truth to that. But in another sense, uh, and maybe this he doesn't know this or grasp this yet, that's what his predecessors and his coworkers have been saying for years and people have been telling them like, that's not good enough. Like that's not like, that can't be the only thing because you're not going to be able to always win or you're not going to be able to always win enough uh, for it to, for it to be good enough for people or to win trophies every year or whatever. And so it has to be about more than that. And I think because I, I know where he's from. I think he, he knows what a football club is, that it is, it is a business. Yes, but it is more than that. It is a community thing, but mm -hmm. nothing I heard there from him was, was, was meaningful in that sense. Like it, it ultimately sounded like, Hey, don't, don't worry. We're going to fix things. And when we win, people will come back. I just think, I, I think that they, what they need to do is they just need to uh, like, just stop announcing things and stop like trying to sell it. Just show it on the pitch or yes. in the boardroom or wherever they want to show it. Show that they have a commitment and don't keep announcing things like the thing that they announced like weeks ago that nobody really paid attention to. And oh yes, uh, the new the chief revenue officer. Yeah, like nobody really cared about that. Like we don't know how long this guy's gonna last if he does last because he's proven in the past that you hire somebody, let him go like months later. Um, yeah. So yeah, so just don't announce. And try to sell. Don't sell, basically. Don't sell and just do. I agree with you, Steve. There is definitely a sense from uh, the both the engaged and the disengaged supporters of, uh, yeah, don't tell us, like, show us. And again, like we've said in the past, that was one of the, one of the great things about Mark Panis is he not only did he, not only did, did he verbally connect with you and feel sincere about the issues you were bringing up, he then actually did stuff about it, and that's what yeah. that's what they need to do. And, and don't even don't, and you don't have to say I'm sorry. Just say my bad if something goes wrong or something like that. Just yeah, say my bad. Culpa. Yeah, we'll we'll figure out and we'll correct it going forward. So Mihar, what do you think it would take to get more fans switched into this club, more bums on seats? Would bringing in a big name DP? Do you think do it in this city? Obviously, Mark Panis, I mean, we had interactions with him. He was a big loss when he went, and that seemed to be the final straw for many. What can this club do to turn these people's opinions around? I think the, the biggest addition or signing or individual to join the club to kind of bring a fresh rejuvenation, positivity, new outlook was Mark Panis. And he's gone. He's not coming back. I know from the, the fans that we've heard from and we've talked to, I know they really liked his engagement and kind of reconnecting with them and kind of seeing what he could do and the team could do to get the fans back to be invested and interested in the team to get them back at games. Obviously, this was before COVID. I know from a media perspective, you know, he would phone a lot of us and just, hey, if you have a question or even if we didn't really have a big question, he'd call us or give us, us his number. I think that was a big thing that was really pushing this club forward, just in the engagement and knowing that we want to make this club a top club in the league. And 
his dismissal, I think that really upset a lot of people in the media and the fans and just, it was a big shock. So I think trying to get the fans back on side, I think that's going to be a lot harder with him not in the fold and kind of the same hierarchy and the executive level and the ownership. There's a lot of fans who are kind of saying, this is the same kind of music, the same tune we've been hearing from year after year on the regular. And, you know, actual Schuster's new. He's new to this club. He's not kind of entrenched and maybe doesn't know the history and what's happened before with the club. So I think they've got their work cut out with them. And when fans are allowed back to BC Place, it'll be interesting to see how many want to come back because they can come back to a sporting event and how many of them are, hey, it's the Whitecaps. I don't know if I want to spend my hard-earned dollars that I have little of now going to see them. Right, that's an interesting point, actually, because you are going to get folk that just want to get back to, to a live sporting event in the city. I mean, we've never pulled the trigger here on a big name DP. Axel said he's open to it if it's the right guy. It's obviously risky because if that big name DP doesn't start performing, fans turn them pretty quickly. Look at how, how Cav has been this year. Next year, though, I think we... We have to just acknowledge COVID's not going away anytime soon. There's going to be a lot of restrictions on our lives, but in football in 2021. And it's going to impact the recruitment. There's, there's no way around it as far as I can see, because if things continue as they are, you can't see the Whitecaps being able to play games in Canada. They might have to play next season or the start of next season in America, they might have another MLS's back tournament at the start of the year or, or something like that. So, I mean, that's a hard sell to a player in Europe, to South America. Yep, locate your whole family to Canada, to Vancouver, but then you can't actually be with them. You're going to have to be in the US. And Axel talked there in the audio that they've already lost one player who was keen to come and then was like, oh no, well, if I can't be with my wife and family... I'm not going to do that. So, I mean, that's going to have an impact. Axel also talked about having two to three young designated players on the roster next year, which is the new rule changes that he said he's not able to go into too much and he's probably said more than, than he should, which is always good because Axel does do things like that. And then he also mentioned that December, we should have our director of football in the scouting department overseeing everything which is going to be helping maybe in this, this global search. So, I mean, all these factors combined, it's not going to be easy for the Whitecaps or any team, but for a team like the Whitecaps that does need to rebuild again, 2021 is going to be a challenge. Weber also actually tweeted out a, a good tweet today where he was talking about the fact that people aren't connected with this team anymore. It's like even the terrible 2011 season, Folk felt attached to the players, Demerit, Hasley, guys like that. And it's like, nowadays, I don't think a bunch of the fan base really care about the players as much. Homegrowns, maybe, but there definitely seems a disconnect here between the fans and the team just now. It just doesn't seem what it used to be. Yeah, you can kind of see it when you're kind of reading but it, whether it's Reddit or you know Facebook, Instagram, just a disconnect. The fans kind of seem a lot more negative or a lot more 
vocal or upset. I don't know, don't know if it's because they're isolated and they're all cooped up indoors now or if it's raining all day or whatever it is. So unless it's the Ali Adnan fan base, I know their fans are quite upset or they're not kind of excited or amped up about the Whitecaps as they have been in last year's. And that's really hard to get back. You really need a shift or a, a big name player or someone the fans can get behind or something that's positive that they can build upon. And it's not going to take two or three wins in a row to do that. They need a, a massive shift or something huge that's going to turn it. I think making the playoffs this year, even though if they get there, it's going to be a struggle. I mean, I talked about this before. That's a that's a victory for, for MDS there, if he can get this team to the playoffs. I don't think it's going to happen. But it would be a building block. And that's all you can kind of maybe ask for, for for this season? Is that being too generous? Well, I think so. I'm like, I'm like, like when you go, when you're talking about the whole engagement piece, right? And the whole, like people just actually caring. It's, yeah, it's, it's more than the MLS era, but especially in the MLS era, just people's, uh, un, you know, un, coming to understand the priorities of the ownership and the organization as a whole have just turned people off have driven people away and like Har said earlier I think uh, a turning point or a tipping point with that in 2020 wasn't coronavirus it was Mark Panis being fired uh, who himself did some great things in the midst of in the midst of a pandemic which they are you know carrying on now even with doing more of those masks for the aquarium or whatever mm-hmm. but um, you know uh, the conversation that, that Weber was was either started or engaging with uh, on Twitter, the whole idea of people just seemed to care a lot more in 2011 when um, it cared and connected with the players. And there's a whole bunch of reasons for that. There's the, hey, this is a new league. A bunch of people were just like rediscovering or discovering the Whitecaps for the first time and all that kind of stuff. There was this magic of, uh, there was this nostalgic of being an empire uh, this kind of magic of being a first year and and all that all that kind of stuff, but it was more than that. Like that was a, a part of it for sure, but it was it was more than that. The the club showed some ambition then. Uh, the players were not just players who you know said the things they're supposed to say. Hey, I'm glad here. I'm going to fight for the city. I I want to be here. Blah blah blah. Like you actually saw it, right? Like I mean. Uh, I'll give you an example that a number of people experienced, right? That day at M- uh, at Empire, I can't remember the day. Uh, I can't remember the score. I just know that I just know that the, the Whitecaps uh, lost badly. And I remember uh, I wasn't there, but after the game, down this road at Oscar's Pub, Joe Cannon came over, experienced individual. Oh, yes. Bless, just showed up, dropped like a, thou- a grand, and just said – you know, drinks on me. I'm sorry we were so bad today. Uh, know that we appreciate your support and we are going to keep fighting for you better than we did today. And, you know, just thank you. And 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 did things like that. Now, I'm, obviously that can't happen every time you're horrible, right? Or you have a I know, we bankrupt the players. Exactly. They don't get paid that much. Exactly. But there was just, there was some, there, there was just something about the way the players engaged in the community uh, and even not just like on like club oriented community days, you know what I mean? Like club initiatives. It was like a lot of them on their own 
chose to connect in the community in, in deeper ways. And um, I mean, obviously it's a pandemic. So right now there's excuses for not, for not doing that right now. But in general, in the last year or two, maybe three, um, there's not been as much of that kind of connecting going on from, from I think, the players, uh, from the players themselves. Last thing from Axel's comments, and then we'll, we'll kind of get things wrapped up. The future of the young guys. Now, he talked there that the, the U-17s and the U-15s, they've actually taken part in the, the BCSPL this season because they can't play in the cross-border new MLS replacement for USSDA. The U-19s they still haven't found a solution for, and the U-23s as well, they, they don't have any games apart from friendlies and stuff. But then Axel did mention that the Whitecaps will have a team in the new BC League One next year, which from speaking to some people I know that's been involved in some of the, the chat with that came as a bit of a surprise to them because they hadn't heard that the Whitecaps were going to have a, a team in. And then I'd asked him at the end there about maybe having some official link up in Germany with players going back and forward. And he said it's something that the club are are looking for. I mean, I, I, I think it's a great thing, Steve. I know a lot of folk are probably not going to want, and I've seen this on Facebook, they don't want the Whitecaps involved in BC League One. But like it or not, the Whitecaps are the top level team in this province. And if you really want the young guys to develop, they have to be playing so having a team in BC League One to me makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you have to do something. I know uh, there is some uh, you know pushback on that, but um, unfortunately the Whitecaps are stuck with that where they, they can't travel across the border and because I think I don't think there's they have any opponents on the side of the border in, in the league that they play in. So they have to do something and they have to play against teams that are somewhat comparable in age. Maybe they'll they'll have to. Um, set up some, uh, you know, games against, uh, high, uh, you know, higher age players uh, in a higher age bracket, maybe like in their 20s or like a BMSL team or something like that. They've done that in the past. So, but they have to play games and the, I guess this is the, the, the way to work around it. So we'll see what happens with it all. Axel has said he's going to have some more round tables over the, the coming months as well. It's great to, to be able just to pick his brains. It's, they're completely open. Anything we want to ask. He, he's there to, to answer them and we'll bring you more of that in future shows. But that is it now for this week's episode of the show. Just before we go, we'll let everyone know where they can find us online and we'll start with our special guest this episode, Har. Hello, you can find my work uh, on my website. I'm currently furloughed from many places that I usually write for on the regular I'm always tweeting out my stuff on Twitter at hard journalists. So feel free to message me uh, on there. Send me a tweet. Uh, I'll probably write back if I'm bored or, or just talk about the Patriots. So yeah, feel free to give me a shout or read my work, like it, share it, tweet it, do what you do. Uh, yeah. Thanks for having me on guys. It was great to be on. Happy Thanksgiving. Gobble, gobble. Yeah. Always a pleasure having you on the show. Har. We'll get you on again soon. Where can people find you online, Steve? Um, at Whitecap Speed. And Zach. Uh, if you want to uh, locate me on Twitter, it's at Zachary AM. I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. If you want to follow along with our East Fife stuff and our Glory Days of Gold podcast, give us a follow on Twitter at AFTN website. Give us a follow on Instagram at AFTN Soccer. And 
please like, subscribe and turn on notifications on our YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash Canada. You'll know when we go live with our post-game shows and other stuff. We've got some more of those coming up in the weeks to come as the season rounds up. And I hope to maybe have a, an end-of-season roundtable with a, a few media personalities as well. But until next time, thanks for listening, take care, happy Thanksgiving, and more caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. E.F.